Blog Talk Radio. A little uh, later than usual, a little bit of a change than usual in the lineup. Tonight we were going to have uh, Monkey Spaz James 5000. We were going to do an Amiga show, but sadly he couldn't make it. He's the sickest man in history. He's always ill. Um, and then also Tom had some kind of issue, so he couldn't make it. So I'm very glad to tell you, in substitution for those people we have the wonder subs fresh legs themselves jl76 gaming and Novabug. how are you boys hi chris i'm feeling you how are you doing chris you all right yeah good thank you so the the scotsman with the hotsman is jl76 gaming john <laughs> who does uh, his own show here on retro Unlimited network does uh Desert Island Discs, which I've games. been on in the past. Desert Island Games, is it? Yeah, Sorry, I always yeah. call it Discs. I suppose they could be Discs. It's Dig. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Sure. Yeah. They could be Discs or Cartridge. Yeah. Like, like to call it Dig. Dig, not Did. Dig. Or Dick, if it's Desert Island Carts. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you, and you also have your own YouTube channel, don't you? Tell us a little bit about that, John. Uh, yeah, GL76 Gaming, and it's just really retro nonsense, Use mostly gameplays, some other shit, really. Um, do lots of Mega Drive, PlayStation, that's my main things, and uh, racing games. Awesome. And uh, Chris, Novabug, uh, tell us about yourself, my friend, and what your channel's all about. Well, mostly it um, goes back to Amstrad and Amstrad CPC and the ill-fated Amstrad GX4000, as you guys are fully well aware. <laughs> this is uh, the one that looks a little bit like a ship off of Star Trek, isn't it? It does, yeah. It looks like some sort of model they cast for Star Trek and then abandoned it and thought, man, that was no good. So they gave the design to Alan Sugar and he released it as an 8-bit console. <laughs> There we are. Ill-fated, perhaps. Ill-fated. I did read his book, and he was um, saying how he came across most of these ideas by whenever he went to New York, he used to go to Sears, or whenever he went to um, Japan, he would go to um, go into all the big shops there and see what was hot, what was coming out. And then he'd copy the idea and bring out his own thing. Uh, <laughs> so, as a result... They, they always he, um, he did he did all right in the end I think although some of his stuff was way before his time like he had an, an email phone and stuff like this in you know years and years ago nowadays you you know you couldn't think of not having email on your phone well he did it maybe ten years too early I think Sugar really wanted to do everything on such a budget and he succeeded with the four six four the four six four was a big hit considering the shoestring budget it was made on and. And the fact that it went toe to toe with the C64 was quite impressive. And then, of course, um, it ended up buying um, Clive's company. Yes. Because, you know, to uh, sort of, well, if you can't beat them, sort of buy them out. <laughs> You're right. fired. Yeah. 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 Well, Clive made a mistake with that stupid electric car thing, didn't he? So. <clears throat> yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah. He, um, he, he, he was given the chance to bow out gracefully and he managed it. Yeah, you do. So, this week we're going to be talking about something which I know John's particularly keen on, uh, is uh, the point-and-click adventures, or graphic adventures, as they're sometimes known as. Or text adventures. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to go that far back, you know, we're not going to start messing around with muds and things like that, um, although we could, maybe one week we will do that, but um, yeah, I'm going to stick purely to the point-and-click graphical side of things this week. So, 
by point and click, we mean, of course, uh, not Doom where you point and click at a monster to kill it, but rather where you're there as a character in a world and you point and click to move, perhaps find an object, make that interact with another object, with your ultimate goal being some kind of quest or mission or something along those lines. And perhaps the very first of this kind was uh, or were bought out by uh, the firm known as Online Systems, later to become Sierra Online, who I do believe uh, Metal Jesus Rocks used to work for. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Yep, him and uh, Drunken Master Paul both used to be Sierra Online employees. There you go, I didn't know that. Um, and of course, the, the first one really was in the year of my birth, 1984, King's Quest. Mm. So yes. King, King's Quest being a, a massive series, uh, I think it went up to eight titles um, plus spin-offs, um, and you used to go around Castle Daventry and the, this world as, as a knight to, or a king, in fact, to try and solve the, the the problem that was cursing the kingdom, and so you would go on an epic quest as the king and try and save it all. Uh, and it was actually um, the co-founder Roberta Williams who designed of sorry of Sierra Online, uh, who did all of them, designed all of the games from start to finish, right from the top it came. Um, and it, eventually they did flop down a bit, but um, they will always be remembered because uh, the the character it was very uh, very much a right and wrong. There was no grey in it. So you're always on the side on the side which is right and fair. So King Graham, Queen, uh, I think it's Valiance or Valenice or something, uh, Prince Alexander or Connor, and all to serve the great good. Very good. Um, so in the first game, you played as um, Graham, who was a knight of the realm during the first game, and then he became the queen from its finale onwards. And so uh, that, that was basically the first one. And of course, Sierra Online went to have some other great games. Um, just looking up some now. So you had stuff like... Um, trying to, was it um, Sierra Online who bought out... Um, no, that was LucasArts. Perhaps LucasArts is probably the most famous for this with the Monkey Island series. Yeah. But they, mm. they did bring out a lot of others. Oh, sorry, Sierra Online, what I was looking for was Manhunter New York. Ah, okay. So they they uh, did stuff like that. And that Police Noughts by Hideo Kojima. Very famous. Metal Gear Solid fame. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Maniac Mansion, which later went on to do um, Day of the yeah. Tentacle. Yes. There was also um, Full Throttle. And uh, the um, the game which was included with Full Throttle, which often gets forgotten, The Dig. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember it. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. I remember the name. Yeah. Which is very cool. Space Quest and also um, did bits. Sam and Max. Uh, Phantasmagoria, the Broken Sword series. Beneath the Steel Sky, Blade Runner, Grim Fandango. Perhaps maybe the one of the best of all time and one of the most underrated Sega CD games Snatcher oh yeah Snatcher is great um, and then really got set forward with um, Mist in 1993 which uh, sold 6 million copies and became one of the best selling PC games of all times and in fact there was a sequel to Mist which wasn't released by them called Pissed which was just <laughs> a set of uh, Screenshots taken from the game with people graffitiing all over it saying, how the fuck do you expect me to solve this? So... Riven is the official sequel, yes. Yeah. I remember having a copy of Myst, acquiring one, and I could not for the life of me get it to run because I had a very poor PC at the time. And, uh, and it just sat there on the shelf. And I scratched my head and wondered, oh, what, 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 I wonder what that like to be played. Never played it. <laughs> well, I, I still have Ribbon on the PlayStation 1, and I'm still yet to play it through. So when I get my uh, my second PS3 up in the bedroom, it's certainly one that I'm going to be playing up there. So 
Yeah, Mist followed on. Um, and it wasn't just those games, but if you think of other games like um, Metroid Prime from Nintendo, it's kind of a first-person um, point-and-click, very much like Mist. But the, with very, very little combat, realistically, in Metroid Prime, it is all about exploration and that kind of stuff. Um, so Sierra Online was shut down really in 1999 and LucasArts 2000. Um, Grim Fandango sadly was uh, only 100,000 copies in 1998. Very funny game. Um, some of my more memorable ones were Discworld 1 and 2, which I used to play on the PlayStation 1. Um, and in fact, missed out yesterday at the... Walk, at the uh, at the uh, car boot very, very quickly. But now, it seems that we have a resurgence, if you will, with um, Telltale Games. And now we have things like Back to the Future, the game, The Walking Dead, the video game, The Monkey Island Revival, which has just come about. Yep. Um, all sorts of stuff going on. So it's really coming back to the fore now, and it really is becoming a more... Um, I guess you could say a casual kind of uh, game. Now, it's not um, because, it, you know, you can pick it up and put it down. Professor Layton, of course, on the DS is also helping things. So, John, what was your first sort of experience with um, point-and-click adventures? With point-and-click ones, um, I reckon my first one would have been... I think it might have been Police Quest, another um, Sierra game. Okay. Police Quest, um, obviously... Did they all have to have quests in them? Was that the rule? No, well, well, a lot of them <laughs> did, but obviously Leisure Suit Larry didn't, but yeah, a lot of them had. Oh, of course we missed out Leisure Suit Larry. How mm. absolutely disgusting. <laughs> it was. Mm-hmm. It was, yes. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Police Quest was um, basically uh, based on a character called Sonny Bond. Um, it ran for three games, and then it you get Police Quest 4, which was a different character, and then that moved on to the games that were called SWAT. I don't know if you remember those games. Hmm. Yes, SWAT. Yeah. Is that your favourite? Um, it's in the top three, I would say. Okay. Um, Laser Larry, probably the second, and Monkey Island first. So you're a big Monkey Island fan. So uh, I, could yeah. you tell me how much wood a woodchuck? How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Can I can tell you the answer to that? Um, a woodchuck would chuck no amount of wood because a wood chuck doesn't chuck wood. Yeah, okay, smart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to say congratulations. <laughs> and uh, how about yourself, Chris? What sort of memories do uh, point and click adventures evoke for you? Because I was um, uh, sort of embroiled in the CPC, it was, I mean, the first one, you touched on it in your intro, was uh, graphic adventures, text-based adventures, but <clears throat> which is kind of a sort of a similar thing. But the I remember actually making my own ones from a program called the Graphic Adventure Creator, oh, which boy. was made by um, Incentive Software, I believe, for the eight for the eight bits and the um, BBC Micro. And it was a long-winded thing, but you could program your own adventure and storyline into it and change variables and, and, and work out um, different verbs, make spells into it, and then you could play your own game. But it wouldn't it wouldn't actually surprise you, even though you'd already programmed it, because it, you'd think, oh, hang on a minute, how do I program that? <laughs> so you'd sort of like end up killing yourself. But it was an interesting concept. And the, the graphic element of it, 
was the fact that it also had a, a very basic, um, just a, a line and fill uh, graphic editing program, just to create uh, rooms and create caverns and stuff and pictures to assist your text adventures. So it was quite, okay. it was an interesting, an interesting. Um, I'm not sure whether you can call it a game. Did you, did you create any stupid and, I mean, really stupid puzzles in it, you know, the kind that you'll never think of, and then yeah. you'll do on the off, because you, you try it every item, this is why I remember about point-and-click adventures, is trying every fucking item with every item in the game to see if you can get stuff to work. Uh, <laughs> was there anything like that in your in your adventures, Chris? You had you had sort of free reign to add items and the properties of what items do when you created them. So, for instance, you could get you could you could come up with something stupid. If you had like a locked door, you could say so you could easily like create a key and that key will open the door. Fair enough. But if you programmed it correctly, say bash door down with your boot, then that would work. <laughs> okay. It, it, you had free right obviously you were just the only limits you had were the, con, the constraints of the memory available so you couldn't put too many variables and items and locations into it because you just fill up the memory um, but it, it was definitely um, I created a few adventures because what you would get in the Amstrad Action magazines were people that had um, written adventures into it, and you could, and they would, uh, they would then put in the code and what they put into the adventure, and you could write their adventure into it and play their adventure, which was time-consuming, but it was good. I do remember having my Dragon 32 and um, typing out Dungeons and Dragons and saving it to tape, and it working first time, mm. which um, nearly never happens. In fact, it was the only time I'd written out a program from the back of a magazine, Dragon News or whatever it was, that it worked. <laughs> Every other time I had a, some kind of syntax error somewhere. There was a lot of that going on, syntax errors. <laughs> <laughs> that word, oh, seeing that word come up in that, on that blue screen in yellow, oh, go away. <laughs> yeah, I remember taking out um, games from the front of a, or inside Atari magazine, say Atari C magazine and I will never get one to work. There was always errors. Basically, the person that's taped it into the magazines probably had a typo. That was really something. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the ones that had so much machine code that would just kill you, and one digit wrong would just screw the game up. So. <clears throat> so um, do you remember anything silly at all about it, John? Like um, perhaps the. The insult sword fight in uh, Monkey Island or anything like that. Oh, the, the Monkey Island game's um, hilarious. I, I think one of the funniest things I remember that's really, really, really stupid is uh, in a game called Flight of the Amazon Queen. It's a very Monkey Island type game uh, that came out in the mid-90s. can't remember who made it, but there's <laughs> just about where you pick up a stick... And he, he makes such a big deal of it. I've got it. I've got the big stick. Da, 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 da. <laughs> it's just a stick. You know, silly things like that that's kind of appeals to my sense of humour. So, did you... Um, what was... Uh, did, did you ever play the Discworld games? I Discworld did play games. them. But I never finished them. Um, I played them on the Amiga. I think, if, you're, yeah. if you're if you're a fan of Discworld, I, I really you really should check them out because it plays in perfectly Discworld one and two. Not so much Discworld noir, but in Discworld and Discworld two, you play as Rincewind. Yeah. Do you know what? Oh yeah. I think, no, it's okay. I was going to say I have completed it, but I'm thinking of something else. <laughs> Just going to uh, just going to bring them up. Harry Yak has uh, made some 
some vile comments. So let's uh, let's see yeah, what yeah. we've got here. Let's filter him. Well, we will filter him. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry, dear viewers. We we know what it's like. It's uh, it's all too difficult. Let's uh, let's have a quick look. Where are we? There. I'm just bringing him up now. But the, yeah, the the disc world stuff. Where I think in the third act of the second one, you actually play as the Grim Reaper, which is just just hilarious, really. Um, Harry, I'm sad to say, my friend. I cannot find your comment where it where it says comments. It just says comments underneath it. So do let me know on Facebook, uh, and I will I will say them out because I want that cheese sandwich that you've offered me. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, here's the thing about these point and click adventure games: the, the humour in it was just so perfect. Do you know okay. what I mean? It was it was almost like watching a Monty Python sketch. In fact, Monty Python would have worked very well as a point-and-click adventure. Do you know if they ever had one of those, John? If it, uh, I'll have to Wikipedia that. I don't think so, but stranger things have happened. But it does... Do you know what I mean when I say that? that the, the comedy and the timing is, is perfect. Yeah. That, see, this is exactly why I like them. This is why it appeals to me, because I've got a silly sense of humour anyway, and these games are... The sense of humour is really stupid. It's like... Obviously, came um, you know, Reeves and Mortimer in a way. <laughs> like, cause it's just some people don't get. You either get it or you don't. Yeah. Uh, and I, I get it. It appeals to me definitely, <laughs> especially on Island. It's just um, it's just silliness, isn't it? Did Did you play the the, um, the HD version of Monkey Island? Did you play it through again when that came out? I'm doing a. I found out you should say that. I'm not doing a cheap plug, but I'm actually doing a walkthrough on my channel right now of the HD. Well, I, I was uh, setting you up for that, but there we go. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's very convenient. It is convenient. <laughs> but I, I, I'm like the same. I'm, it's not just with games, but with TV shows and things that I like. I crew all the things that I like at least once a year. I'm playing, I play Monkey Island probably once a year. I watch Red Dwarf once a year, things like that. I always do the same do you shit. Read, um, do you read a certain book once a year? Yeah. What's the book? <laughs> Escort's Reader's Life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is an old one. <laughs> <laughs> Trainspot. Good man. No, I yeah. try and do that myself. It's, we, yeah. we were talking about this on Desert Island Games. That's, yeah. that's a book that we both love very much. Um... So that that's interesting that you have this thing where you go back to Monkey Island every year. Um, yes. And do you think that Guybrush Streetwood? Do you think he's? Um, I mean, I was playing a game the other day, a little um, uh, a dungeon crawler with rogue rules. So like, you go forward a square, they go forward a square, or whatever. Um, and the first thing I came across was Streetwood's helm, which was a pan that I could put on my head. So his influence is is wide and far, obviously Guybrush yes. Streetwood. Do you, do you think he's kind of? Do you think how if he was real? Do you think he'd yeah. like the success? Or how do you uh, think he'd take to it? Yeah, I think he would love it. I think he would. I think he would. Uh, I think it would go to his head because uh-huh. you, you see, you see in the start of uh, Monkey Island Two, he's um, it starts off with him um, telling his tales of how he beat LeChuck in the first game. And he's telling it to this group of pirates around a campfire, and <laughs> they keep saying, "Shut up, Guybrush, we're bored of it." <laughs> so yeah, and uh, which of the games is it where you have to get the Chuck's beard stuck in a um in a slot machine? I think it was that, or something. That's a set. That's a set one that you you have to make a voodoo doll. That's right. Of uh, the Chuck's you know, the, the other thing you have to do is um, get um, you get a coin to fall out of the kind of coke machine or the grog machine as it's called, and when he bends over, you steal his knickers. <laughs> It's uh, yeah. it's a funny old one, isn't it? I mean, Chris, there's a comment here for you from Harry Ack. He said there was a distinct lack of point and click on the Hamstrad CPC. There was, yeah, there wasn't much. Um, did you did you get into it on the PS1 or perhaps the Saturn? Dare I say, or something well, like that? Well, or, strangely or? enough, the the only the one I mean, I was aware of Monkey Island, but I never got an opportunity to play it. Um, and a few of the other titles you've actually mentioned already, Chris, um, I was aware of them, but again, it, it's, it's come to a kind of not actually coming across them, but one, one I did, <clears throat> which I think came out the same time as Mist, was The Seventh Guest. Oh, yeah. Which okay. I, okay. I love that, yeah. I, I did spend many, many hours playing through that. Um, I found it like, it was almost like 
the video game version of uh, Cluedo and then mix that with an old um, do you remember an old sort of pseudo horror uh, program that we had at school called Dark Towers oh yes do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because you know that was all about ghostly knights and and and, and spectres in this castle and stuff. It was and, around and the same time. It used to be on. I remember you used to yeah. have that, and then you used to have Round the Twist as well. That yeah, Round the Twist came after yeah, and uh, it's on. I think it was on like when was it Channel Four that used to do their educational programs. It was on the same time as that, and that stupid bleeding wordy thing. Another program. Fifty to one. Uh, no, it was like a floating. <laughs> Floating backs vacuum cleaner, wasn't it? Called Wordy, something like that. Oh, yeah, 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 I know what you mean, yeah. I digress, I digress. Um, No, 7th Guest, because the the FMV in it was, um, at the time, for me, was quite, uh, you know, amazing to look at, and the effects they put in with the ghosts, and and the twist at the end. If you haven't played it, I will not say what it is. But there's a nice twist at the end is, uh, that was for your listeners' benefit, of course. (laughs) But the twist at the end is um, is quite surprising when you first play the game. So, uh, but you know, it was something that it was one of the few point and clicks that I really, really did enjoy. And I think probably even with the um, horror survival uh, games, it's still one of my probably my favourite sort of horror themed game. Do, do you think that they had a this is to both of you? Do you think that the, the point and click adventures had a, a positive effect on those? Um, horror survival games, which we covered last week, actually, with Aiden. Um, we were talking mostly about Resident Evil and Silent Hill and stuff like that. Do you think, the, 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 to me, the the elements of puzzle solving and stuff are quite obviously there in those games, and the fact that you have to pick up something and go halfway back through the fucking mansion or whatever to use it, and then go back again. Well, um, certainly, um, they are... Uh, the, the, you can see their roots in the point-and-click adventure, if you know what I mean. Yeah, d- definitely, yeah. I think it's definitely um, influenced by that in a big way, I would say. Uh, yeah, I'd say they were as well. They take that, that sort of... The gamer's decision. That is a, a very key part of it, and how you would react. Mm. Um, and I think, especially with some of the earlier survival horrors, what they would take for, from games like Seventh Guest would be... Um, not only surprise, but what you don't see, especially Silent Hill. Um. Yeah, I mean the the stuff in Silent Hill, the the the, um, the puzzles, if you will, were really cerebral. They mm. really got you thinking the way that you should be. Um, and I think um, you had to get into a a certain mindset to do one of these games. Would you, would you agree, John? You, you, you've obviously done a lot of these in the past, but yeah. but I, I knew for Discworld I'd have to think stupid, and I'd have to think to the Discworld books like, okay, what would the librarian do here? I can't call him a monkey because he's going to punch me out. So yeah. Yeah, stuff like that, do you know what I mean? Because yeah, he's one, an orangutan, not a monkey, yeah. obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Once you've played a couple of these games, yeah, you, you have to have that mindset. Um, you have to think of the stupidest thing, um, and it might just work. Do you, do you think that we could do with a bit more of that nowadays, with all these hyper-realistic Call of Duty bullshit? <laughs> glad you said that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lost art. It's definitely a lost art. I'm do you glad, know what I mean? Yeah, I'm glad Telltale Games are doing what they're doing, but it's, just, it's still not quite the same. Like, I find playing The Walking Dead Telltale's game is just like, it's more of a interactive story than a, than a point click yeah. adventure I know what you mean the, the, we, we are all about the narrative nowadays in video yeah. games but I thought that their, um, their Back to the Future one was a lot better personally I know that there's a lot of fans out there for the Walking Dead one but I think that's more about the franchise than anything else yeah yeah. I mean I've played the first part of the Back to the Future and there does seem to be more puzzles than what there is in the Walking Dead yeah. that, sound, that, that game sounds very appealing I'm going to have to track that down I think Get it on, um, get it on iOS, Android, or I think it's on PlayStation. Yeah, it's on PSN, and um, I think it might even be on um, my Xbox. And get it on there. But it's all it's NPC, of course. But it's very, very clever the way that Telltale are doing things now. They're taking these um, franchises and they're doing some awesome stuff with it. You know, 
they're not doing what Michael Bay does, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fucking give me back my childhood, you bastard. Right, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, 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 if you haven't seen these, um, the, the Telltale games, do check them out, because uh, people absolutely rave about them, and quite rightly so. The, um, the Walking Dead is very much a narrative game, but the... Um, the, the Back to the Future one's perhaps more of an homage to the to the older games, as it were. There's one that came out. It was either last year or the year before. It's on Xbox Live. It's I think it's on PlayStation Network and it's on Steam. It's a game called The Cave, and I think it's been one of the guys that did Monkey Island. Um, oh, might be wrong, okay. but basically it's a cross between a point-click adventure and a platform game. Mm. Um, it's quite interesting. Um, I've, I mean, I've played through the first hour of it or something, but you've got eight different characters to pick from, and you you pick three at a time, and then once you're done with those three, you can start it again with different characters, so you get different perspectives on it. I would expect to see a lot more from um, from Telltale, because they're going to be bringing out Game of Thrones this year, mm. point and click jobby, so I would expect a lot from them, because the Game of Thrones game that came out previously wasn't particularly good. Why don't Lego? Lego should do point and click. Lego, Lego are so successful at the moment, aren't they? <laughs> they, could, they could burn their own money with that. Lego yeah. Monkey Island, that'll be good. <laughs> but, um, I do believe there's a game called Minecraft, which does Lego quite well, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, that, where, where does that put Minecraft? Because Minecraft is, is, well, you make it yourself, don't you? So it's kind of, so crossing genres in a way, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I suppose. it's a very... Um, I think a complete open sandbox. Very yeah. fun. I think um, they did. Uh, they've, they've done the Sam and Max series quite well as well. So they've sort of rebought that out, and they've done the Tales of Monkey Island as well. Have you tried those out? The Tales of Monkey Island, John. I've got I've got them installed on my laptop, but um, I've not played them yet because I'm playing through my my annual playthrough. So I'm just I'm going to play through that and then get. Oh. <laughs> very good. Very good. So. I want to focus in on a game that um, that was pretty uh, pretty up there actually, and that was um, Snatcher. So b- before I go into this too much, did either of you guys play through Snatcher at all, or have you played Snatcher? I didn't, unfortunately. Have you not? Oh, you need to. Uh, <laughs> I, I I feel like I have, but I haven't. Uh, okay. Because <laughs> I've, so, I've read so much about it and. Um, uh, a few of my uh, friends on, on my, my, my other website and um, say that uh, it's an amazing game and it's something that if I could pick a Mega CD up for that it'd probably be that game yeah you, I mean it was released um, on other platforms but for some reason the only non-Japanese version was on the Sega CD it was actually released on Playstation and Saturn wasn't it on the uh, PC Engine Turbo Duo was it on the uh, yes it was it was on the PC engine but it was on the CD-ROM that's right and yeah, it was so that's extremely rare that'll explain that that'll explain why I've not played it because um, I've, <laughs> I've never imported Japanese games or anything so. no. mm. but like I say if the, if the opportunity came up for it say for a Mega CD then I would definitely uh, definitely get it it was released here in December 1994, so when a young Chris Shanks was only 10 years old, <laughs> coming up to his 11th birthday, and he had to choose between a Mega CD or a SNES. Perhaps correctly, he chose a SNES. So I, I've, I didn't get to play until quite recently, mm. which is a shame because uh, for me, uh, the, it's very cyberpunk-based. 
It um, is, yeah. And it, it was the second video game written and directed by Hideo Kojima um, after he wrote uh, the original Metal Gear for the MSX2. Mm. So, um, it revolves around an investigator named Gillian Seed, signed to investigate a breach of bioroids known as Snatchers, who are killing humans and taking their place in society. Obviously, from that, you should be able to tell that it picks up a lot from Blade Runner and Wicked City, Akira, and Terminator, all these kind of um, post-punk, kind of cyberpunk kind of themes. So it's, it's all in the first person. You have a menu-based interface, um, and you can look, investigate, talk, ask, and move, and all this kind of stuff. Um, so unlike other games like um, Monkey Island and Discworld, where you, you could point where to put the person, you could just see it. Um, so there are points in the game where you have to do like shooting bits, and you use a 3 by 3 grid. Um, which the player can target to fire at enemies, and there you have um, like a little training program you can use as well. But it's it's a very cool, very progressive storyline, um, very Japanese, um, which is strange because it was it wasn't released on the Mega CD or the Sega CD in Japan, but on all the other releases it was only released in Japan. So it's a, it's a very strange thing, really. Um, and it was released on the PC on five and a quarter inch disc from <laughs> Japan. Good luck getting that. Um, <laughs> uh, and it was it was a localization uh, for the Sega CD, really. Um, so they they ported it over to the Sega CD and localized it into uh, English. So and they were the snatchers were redesigned as well a little bit so that they didn't look like the Terminator robots so that um, Konami didn't get sued. Um, but it is one of the highest scoring games of all time. So it, uh, on aggregate it gets roughly a 9.5 out of 10. Um, and the, the, it's had um, radio plays about it, all sorts of stuff. Um, and the police thoughts also is another one that's um, thought to be that that kind of same sort of thing. Now that was a bit more um, out there, and I think it's it's more of like an interactive movie thing, so not as much. But Snatcher, Snatcher is um, definitely, 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 <coughs> definitely one that people should check out. It's, I, I can't. I, I don't want to give away too much about it, but the story is just amazing. The the stuff that you do in it is just fantastic. And if you like any kind of manga or anime or anything like that, you should really, really, really check it out. It's really heavily Japanese styled and just just a fantastic, fantastic thing to watch and play. And it is, although we we talk about that these games maybe lead you down the story path too much it is one of those games where um, you do feel like you're taking a role in the story so yeah I mean that's me harping on about my favourite game John perhaps you could tell us um, a little bit about why Monkey Island's so great well I mean I touched on it earlier on the humour and the the humour's very well written um, it pulls to my sense of humour um, it's got cracking puzzles uh, I mean, I think out of the whole, there's been four, there's four games, and then there was the Tales. I think out of the whole series, my, the second one's my favourite, um, Monkey Island 2. Um, if the puzzles in it are very clever, and sometimes very funny, and it's just like we said earlier on as well, you'd, you'd have to be mad to think of some of the puzzles they came up with, and things that you had to do. How often did you cheat on it? The first couple of times. <laughs> 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 Only when I was really, really stuck. Okay. So what's, um, what's, what's your favourite bit in all of the Monkey Island games? Hmm, let me think. I think it would be, humour-wise, it would be a bit where you're talking to a guy called Stan in Monkey Island 2. He's a, Stan, in the first game, he's a used ship salesman and the second one is a used coffin salesman so it's a bit in the second game where you, you lock him inside a coffin you basically just steal a, a key from behind the desk you, 
you, you kind of pretend you want to buy a coffin, so you get them to jump in it, um, just just to try it out for size, and then you get some hammer nails and you close it shut, and you and you just hear all these little voices coming out of the coffin and saying, and, uh, "Yeah, you are going to let me out, aren't you?" <laughs> you know, like that. You were talking about the, the game there from earlier. What's um, what's the standout moment there? From. Uh, sorry, Chris. Sorry, not John. Chris. Sorry, the the standout moment from your uh, point and click, which I can't remember the name of. Seventh guest. Seventh guest. Sorry. Yes. What's the standout moment there from that? It's definitely the end, um, which involves. Uh, a, it was kind of a, a plot twist where. If you look, it's one of them classics where if you look back at the game and, you, and your actions and, and what's been said, you, you could have sort of seen it coming, but you don't realise it. It's one of those, one of those M. Night Shyamalan moments, you know. Um, but I think the, the, the thing that stood out really was the amount of pre-rendered um, 3D in it was, was, was a lot, a lot of it. And, um, and it just seemed to be vastly different from anything I'd played at the time. Um, and also it's got this quite complex backstory. I can't remember the um, name of the... Because there's a voice that's... I think you think it's the devil, but it's not. It's a voice always talking to you and, you, and there's leaving notes around the mansion. Henry something, I can't remember. Um, and that's quite chilling uh, because you're sort of unnerving them. And you're trying to obviously work out the puzzles as you're going around. And you're seeing these very strange flashbacks and ghostly, ghostly apparitions telling you different con- uh, um, convoluted things. So it's quite a complex thing to work through, but it's extremely enjoyable. And I think probably it was just very different to anything that I was playing at the time. Probably the standout. Did you play the sequel, Chris W? Eleventh hour. Eleventh hour. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't uh, manage to get around to it. I was moving on to other things. <laughs> These are games that obviously we'd all recommend to mm. anybody listening out there. Mm. Yes. I'd definitely well, recommend Seventh Guest. So. Oh, yeah, I backed that up. Seventh Guest was absolutely brilliant. It's, um, quite, when I, was, I was quite young when I played it, so I found it quite scary. Yeah, well, me too. Mm. Me too, John. Yeah. So, it's the same. I think, going back to what Chris was saying about Snatcher as well, even though obviously that was done with... Um, uh, stylized graphics instead of um, FMV it was I, I could, when I first obviously I'm, I said I never played it but when I saw it screenshots of it and videos of it in the early days I was quite turned off by how graphic it seemed I think that's do you understand that? it seemed very dark yeah <laughs> uh, but that you know that made me sort of like mm, I still want to play it <laughs> good so, there we are. Three rather good uh, suggestions for you all to check out. And in fact, there are a series left. I would he- hesitate, though, to say uh, don't try Discord Nair. It's, it's not nearly as funny or as much fun as the first two. So that's, uh, that's what I'd give it. That's what I'd say anyway. Um, did you guys... What are your... Um, are you going to be checking out future point-and-click games? I will also I will always try point and click games that come out. Um, so say it's but it's between that and racing. There's uh, my two favourite favourite genres without a doubt. So that that's why when I heard of the cave, I immediately downloaded it when I heard of it. Yeah. I think um, if 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 I get a solid recommendation, I'm, 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 I'll, I'll always check something out, uh, no matter what the genre. Normally, it's not. I'll be you know, I'll be frank. It's it's not my favourite genre. But um, if, it, if it's done well, I'll always give it a look. And uh, did um, do you ever feel guilty about not going back and playing more of these, Chris? Because I know John, John, obviously it's your thing. 
But um, I always feel guilty that I've never gone back and finished Monkey Island 3 or um, I've never really given Discworld Noir the fair shot that it deserves. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, sure. I, like I've always said, um, I wish I'd played Snatcher back in the day and Monkey Island is another one, um, which I completely missed, missed, the, missed the boat on that. And after the Monkey Island frenzy had died down of a sense, I, thought, I looked back on it and thought, oh, that would have been excellent to play. It just sounds hilarious. Mm. Like you said, like a like an interactive comedy sketch almost, or a drama sketch. Yeah, it is. Like it's just, it's a perfect Monty Python humour in Monkey Island. Do you know what I think, John? I don't yeah. keep on making that analogy, but <laughs> it's, it's that kind of slapstick, um, stupid humour, you know, yeah, where you're, you're yeah. almost waiting for the protagonist to get the shit kicked out of him. Just, yeah. <laughs> There's a particular... A particularly funny part, which I wish I had mentioned when you asked me earlier on uh, about my favourite part of Monkey Island. Actually, there's a, a bit in the first Monkey Island where you're doing this task called the Free Trials, and you need to steal this statue from the governor. And you just go in. It doesn't. You don't see what's happening. You just. You just. Guybrush goes behind a wall, and it's just all these words that come out. Like he's doing all these ridiculous things, like. Um, Tormenting a, a tremendous yak, but not Harry yak, but, but things like that, and you don't, you're, you're desperate to see what's happening behind that wall because all these ridiculous things are just coming up. Like, what the hell is he up to behind that wall? So, do, do you find um, that perhaps games could do with a little bit more of that humour, that breaking of the fourth wall? I know in Discworld one and two, they were forever just turning around. He was forever turning around to the camera and making these little sarcastic quips. That's a good idea, isn't it? Instead of just spending the last couple of hours trying to figure out that stupid puzzle, I could have just walked around here. But never mind, you live and learn. That that sort of thing. Do you think the game needs more of that? It needs more um, stupidity, more stupid comedy, more slapstick. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, there's a place for serious games. I mean, The Last of Us for the is a prime example. It's pretty serious, but it, uh, you're right. There's not enough humour. In games, yeah, I mean, yeah. zombies are uh, can be made humorous. I think they did that quite well in Shaun of the Dead. Um, yep. <laughs> but um, it's nice when they inject a little bit of um, insanity into into, especially other genres as well. Um, and I think one that John might be familiar with because you said you like your races. Yes, and. I think the the sort of casual, sort of throwaway humour that they put in the Burnout series is quite fun. With the yeah, crash like, sequences. Oh, it's yeah. just unbelievable destruction, but no one's blinking an eyelid, and it's just, oh, well done, you've managed to destroy you know, millions of dollars worth of vehicles and cause absolute havoc, but no one, not a single person has died. It's that sort of 18... Or arrested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. that. I do like that. Yeah, I think there should be humour in every game, but then again, how would you do it? For example, Call of Duty, which I hate, but I don't see how you can bring humour no. into a war game, unless oh, no, it's kind of horror. I don't know, you could be um, shooting at someone with a bindy spot and say, I'll give you 50 points if you hit the bullseye, things like that. <laughs> I'm sure there are... You know, I've got a friend who's a marine, and he's had to to do those kind of kill shots, and they have made jokes about stuff to to lighten the mood and stuff. You know, and there is, I think, if you look at Battlefield Bad Company, that does a very good job actually of putting humour into that genre. I think in reality, it's obviously you need to do that, otherwise you would go insane. Yeah. Um, I think coming slightly off topic, but staying with the comedy thing, I do. I always liked the rail shooters that had a little bit of slapstick in them. Obviously, it's not like full-blown taking the piss comedy, but it's a little bit of slapstick in the way some of the people would fall down when they get shot. For instance, the Time Crisis series. Oh, yeah. It's all a bit... Do you, always, do you remember the uppercut from Mortal Kombat, the little guy that came in? Whoopee! Did you not say... I thought you said toasty. Toasty or whoopsie or... Yeah. I don't know, but, but that, of course, the original Mortal Kombat is 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 kind of slapstick violence, isn't it? It's, yeah. yeah, sort of. Um, oh, of course, modern well, modern Mortal Kombat's have just destroyed that sort of any any sense of humour because it's just too gory to tell anymore. So it's um it's it's one of those things I think where 
you know, pe- people need humour, you know, and, and I think we, we take the, the games, there is, there's a place for serious games, like you were saying with that, but I think there needs to be more humour, there needs to be more slapstick in these games nowadays. Yeah. Not every game should be about saving the world on a whim and looking like a badass as you walk away from an explosion. Yeah. Even Robocop had humour in it, you know? It's <laughs> Very dark humour. I mean, we know it can be done with war games. I mean, look at Cannon Fodder. That was a funny oh, game. Fantastic. That was war. Absolutely yeah. fantastic, Cannon Fodder. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. War has never been so much fun. click adventures they have, they have a lot to offer people you know in, in terms of that comedy I think if, if you went back and played something like Grim Fandango now or um, uh, Full Throttle you'd, um, you'd, you'd just have a good time you know and I, I think to some extent we've we've become so immersed in gaming that we, we forget the comedy side of it and we forget to have a little bit of fun you know and it becomes this thing where oh, we, we must be immersed in a story and we must do this that's fine but remember why you're doing it to have fun you know it's not the be all and end all so that's what it's all about for me I just want to play a good game I want to be challenged and I want to play a good game it's probably why my favourite genre is the shoot 'em up and not the first person shoot 'em up just the general scrolling shoot 'em up I just I love them Mm. You'll, def- you'll definitely be challenged by Monk Island because it is, if you've never played it before and you're not using the, the cheats, it is a very challenging game. Mm. Oh. Yeah, it is. Um, and I, th- this was my, th- the final point before we finished today was that perhaps um, these games do put people off, or used to. I think nowadays it's, it, they're a little bit easier, it's fair to say. But um, they, they, they could put people off a lot. You know, so you could play the first ten minutes and not, and essentially get nowhere. Do you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. and, and you'd be so annoyed. You'd be like, oh, I certainly think they might, especially things like The Walking Dead or what I've read about The Walking Dead. And um, they certainly opened the the options and, and the where you can go in the game. I think in early um, graphic adventures, I've, I per- I don't know about you guys, but I personally found them rather linear. Because once you play through them a couple of times, it kind of doesn't change anymore. Yeah, so no, that's a good that's point. It's probably yeah. something like that turned me off the early games, and that's why, to my be- to my detest, I never got to into things like Monkey Island. I was just going to say another one, but I'm not sure whether this counts as a point and click. Uh, but it certainly was unique. Was um, the Dragon's Lair? Of course, um, um, which you can play by DVD, can you, or video well, CD? It was the first laser disc. Laserdisc uh, arcade cabinet, um, but they had problems with <laughs> the cabinet getting knocked because it would just fuck the disc up. So, <laughs> but I remember that it stood out, didn't it? Because it was, was it Dirk the, the Daring. Dirk the Daring, yeah, and it because it, it stood out because it was that sort of interactive cartoon kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, where you had to sort of split second make the jump. It wasn't exactly point and click, but it was in that kind of area. Uh, yeah, and that, that kind of comedic. Yeah, time. It, oh, it definitely had that uh, comedy element. It also had lots of um, sexual references in, in it as well, and <laughs> that kind of stuff. Sure. It was funny at the time, um, but I don't think it transcends to now because it was a very linear game. So, but it's a memorable game, certainly. Yeah, no, it's um, that, that's one that I'd completely forgotten about. I've got to be honest with you. Um, and you you can actually get the re-release of that now on PS3 and stuff like that. Um, oh my, what a fantastic game! Yeah, blimey. Mm-hmm. But that's this is that's another good one. That's a good point, Chris. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, did you have any mates, John, that maybe sort of you know threw their hands up and said, "Oh, it's a fucking shit game," or Monkey Island or whatever. Any mates that thought that? Yeah, or anybody um, would kind of dismiss the genre because it was silly or time-wasting? Or... No, I'd, I have to say most people I know um, 
from my childhood and growing up and even now would uh, would would love point and clicks. So no, I've never, never really came across that, but I think it's something that's lost on the younger generation. Yes. Yeah. Well, we we know this with the modern iOS games, don't we? They just anything yeah. that's a quick hit, and it, you know, if something crap like Flappy Bird can be such a success, and we're all in trouble, aren't we? <laughs> yes. I didn't think it was that bad, Flappy Bird. I thought it was alright. Certainly when I get my phone, upgrade my HTC Wildfire with genuine Flappy Birds going up on eBay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a clone though, Chris, isn't it? It's a clone of a very old copter game. But it's how old? How old that copter game? It's so addictive. Mm. But how old is it? And that's what Flappy Bird is. And the oh, fact I remember playing that 10, 15 years ago. Exactly. Easily, yeah. Exactly. But I, I think I think what it is is what what annoys me about that is it's it's a it, yes it's fun for limited but it's, it's is it really a game for gamers really? It's, it's, See, I mean, you, it's by sorry. far and away so it's by far and away nothing like we've been discussing today. See, you've got a different you've got a different um, breed of gamers. You like there's gamers mm. like us and there's gamers like your your wife, but well, my wife. For example, plays lots of games on her phone. Yeah, but she's not a gamer. She's not a gamer. Mine too. <laughs> yeah. Mine too, but she does yeah. like. Uh, she is partial to a bit of Mario. <laughs> well, so is mine, to be fair. Yeah. She she didn't realise. Um, she, she didn't. I mean, she doesn't pay attention to a lot of stuff I do anyway. But um, <laughs> she didn't realise that I had um, Mario Brothers Wii U. And I'm sitting there playing it. She says, "Oh, it's Mario." I said, "Yeah." Is it the new one? Oh yeah. Wow. I want to play this. I was like, well, yeah, what's the last Mario you played? Turns out it was Mario Land 2. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good times, good times. Well, I think we're just about coming up on the end of our hour now. We've got a few minutes left. Um, John, why don't you take a, a little a little time there to talk about what's going to be coming up on your channel and also to uh, plug that wonderful show that you do, Desert Island Games. Right, well, on my channel at the moment, I'm still trying to, I'd, I'm not doing it every single day, but I'm still trying to stick to a theme today, every day. I might just not do it every single week, but I'm doing a kind of Mega Drive Monday, PlayStation 2 Tuesday, uh, walkthrough Wednesday, where I'm doing my Monkey Island playthrough, um, throwback Thursday, Friday night racing, Saturday, soccer Saturday, Sunday sport, so it's, they're not going out every single day, but I'm just going to try and stick to them a couple of weeks. There's a lot of alliteration there, didn't you? Yeah, I like to. Yeah. If the thing is, the problem is that nobody watches my playthroughs. <laughs> I don't but, um, like the playthroughs are that popular myself, actually. I only do 10 minute videos and get about a third of the hits on them. But never mind, those third of the hits, those 40 people or so, they're well worth it. But the other thing I'm doing, obviously, is the show exactly Monday nights on this same network, Desert Island Games. And my next guest is. Chris W here. He's going to be on the next one. Fantastic. <laughs> what time on uh, What time on Monday, John? Nine, nine o'clock on Monday. Nine o'clock on Monday. So there's something for people to tune into and look forward to. Uh, Chris, apart from appearing on Desert Island Games, what are you uh, What are you looking to do in your channel? Uh, well, well, unlike John, I don't have a set structure. <laughs> He's all much more organised than me. I, I just randomly chalk out videos, but I do have a couple coming up. I have, um, I've got a, an unusual uh, CPC game playthrough coming up called Cro uh, Croco Magneto, which is a very odd game, which I don't think many of you might have heard of. No. Um, but it's an interesting thing because uh, it's bloody so hard. <laughs> um, I'm going to be chatting about um, the advertising of the GX4000 which I found hilarious at the time. That's coming up soon. Um, and I've, I'm, I've, I'm doing a next instalment of my Arcade Memories uh, sequence as well, um, which will be Arcade Memories 3. Mm. Okay. For myself, uh, in the next week, you can expect, on my channel, uh, Chrisini84, you can expect to see um, a week of Game Boy games. So I have... Uh, five Game Boy games ready up and run, including Four Fired Zone, Pokemon Pinball, Shantae, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Fall of the Foot Clan, and Tracks. So some Game Boy exclusives there, which um, I don't like to do that. I was thinking about 
about doing Game Boy for a while, but so many of them are ports. It's very difficult still, I found. Um, and I really didn't want to do that, but it's what the majority of my collection here is. I must have about 100 Game Boy games. Mm. And uh, that's why I'm really into me handheld stuff. So, that is, um, that's us in a nutshell tonight, folks. So, thanks once again to, for these two lovely people for bailing me out. They were going to be... Um, <laughs> doing uh, their own little recording tonight, but they, they were very gratefully uh, received. And uh, John, especially with his uh, knowledge of point and clicks, that is fantastic. Well, I could I could talk for hours about point and clicks. Unfortunately, we've only got three minutes. So. <laughs> I'm glad of that, because I think I've exhausted my, my knowledge on point and clicks. <laughs> but just to, uh, to, finish, to finish up there, check out Seventh Hour, the Monkey Island series, the Discworld series, and Snatcher. Uh, those those games alone will do you miles in the point and click series. They're according to us three non-experts. So I've been Chris Shank, <laughs> and uh, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you again to my guests. You've been listening to the Retro Renaissance podcast.